now trying to experience life with husband, dad. Kids don't understand why dad can't get up and go play ball with them. And wives having to deal, and husbands having to deal with, is this like still the same person? Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven and Mike Barker. Mike Barker. I love I love it. So welcome to the show, Mike. Listen, if you're listening to this, two things. One, you found us because you found yourself wishing that you had done something differently. Or you know what? You're curious. You want to know why? What's this podcast all about? You got a couple veterans together, a couple folks who've been in the military before who served. I'm not going to sit here and try to tout like we've helped as many people as he has. My goodness gracious. He, he runs a nonprofit in San Antonio in an area where he served almost a decade at a burn unit. Yeah, I worked in uh, outpatient physical therapy, so outpatient orthopedics. I worked with polytrauma from wartime injuries. Okay. So, uh, you know, you know, amputees. I worked on the limb salvage team. So guys that were you know injured trying to save their leg from being amputated. Worked with those guys. A lot of guys that had you know traumatic brain injuries. I worked at the Center for the Intrepid, you know, so it was all amputees. So, you know, very diverse background in medical for rehab. I, I was at Bamsey before there was even a Center for the Intrepid. So, wow. um, yeah, so. Well, is there, so for those of you who are listening and, and you're connected to the military, I understand kind of the gravity associated with the lives that you were uh, that you were helping. Sure. I think it's important to essentially put a disclaimer out there that we're talking to you as a business owner, you as a, a revenue generator, you as building a team in a community. The reason why we have Mike on the show, not only because of that incredible experience, but it's, it's because he understands probably more intimately than most is that everybody screws up. But in spite of that screw up, they're capable of accomplishing some incredible things. For sure. No. You've connected with the cause for sure. of, of wanting to help people. Right. right. You've connected with the cause that the path to truly help them. Sometimes it's it's on gravel roads. It's a little bit of windy roads. You gotta, yeah. you're just mixing it up a little bit with somebody who you've known for quite some time. Yeah, and we're using some colorful language, right? <laughs> we, I mean, for we sure. are we are military guys, yeah, right? So we for sure. we cuss a little bit. So if you got your yeah. kids in the car, <clears throat> yeah. cover their ears for a little bit because you yeah. may hear some tw- four little words here. Just yeah. saying. Well, and that's the thing too is you know in, in in the nonprofit space, you know it's it's still a business, but at the same time, like you know we we mess up all the time, you know, and yeah. you know we try things and yeah. you know fail, and you know we sometimes we you know just fail forward, and and, and you know he's it's a learning curve for me too, you know, because yeah. I you know I my background is medical, never a business owner or a nonprofit starter, so I've I've learned a lot of things in my three years of doing this as well. So okay, so I want to st- I want to stop you right there. So uh, three years. Yep. Three years. That's a. It's thirty six months. Yeah. That's that's a long time. It's over fifteen. Well, what is that? One hundred fifty weeks. Yeah. So in the one hundred fifty weeks that you've been in business, uh, as a nonprofit, and the thousands and thousands of people that you've helped, how much of it has been done only by you, and how large is your organization now with volunteers? Yeah. The first two years was strictly by myself, like filling out the paperwork, getting everything started. You know, starting some programming, starting a baseball team with 10 guys, managing that, you know, growing that 10 guys into baseball and softball teams, growing that, you know, 25 to 30 guys and girls uh, into golf. And then 
that was all before it was even a nonprofit. You know, I was just doing that as Mike Barker himself, who was a therapist for so many and wanted to help and give back, but didn't want to do it through really a nonprofit. So, so well, hold on for a second. So th- th- you mean to say that uh, coming out of the military, the way that you were trained, essentially the, the, the institution of the military, well, an undisciplined civilian, or even disciplined civilian for that matter, right. being trained and groomed in a way that, that fits a, a cause. True. The therapy that you're talking about, don't they have medication for something like that? Medication works on every instance, doesn't it? it it's well, you know, uh, we're, we're a, a non-medicating uh, organization. So we, okay. right. we, we, you know, we, you know, obviously, you know, do what your doctor prescribes for you. And I'm not saying don't, don't do what you're medically advised to do by a, a, a trained doctor, because I'm not a doctor. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you can still come and do some of the activities that we provide, uh, whether you take your medication or not, you know. And a lot of the times, and, and one of the stories, you know, that you heard earlier was, is we helped someone get so active in our organization that they could stop taking their medication. I think sometimes when, as veterans, when we transition out, you know, and we go to the VA and we try to get our health care, I think that uh, a lot of times, like, we as veterans feel like we're going to be pain-free, like we're not going to hurt, and we're going to be 100% healthy like we were when we were 18, 19, 20 in the military. Well, you know, we've we've rucked, we've humped, we've deployed, you know, like you're going to have nicks and pains and bumps and bruises and we're not going to be 100% all the time but you can still come do these activities and yeah it hurts a little bit but the more you keep doing it the less it hurts you know and that's what we try to do is keep people active continuously you know so it's not one time you come out and play a sport and then we'll see you eight weeks later or you know next year or whatever you know so it's it's continual so this initiative then to start taking people who, uh, who've gone through this, this healing process mm-hmm. and getting them involved in, in sports. Uh, what was it? What was the genesis of that? I mean, I mean, you said you're from Alabama, right? So football's a big deal down that way. Actually yeah. sports, all yeah. sports really are, are a big deal in Alabama. So yeah. what was it? Was it a, like a childhood thing you, you connect with sports or what was it? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up playing sports my whole life. Uh, I played football, basketball, baseball, uh, throughout high school and uh, played two years of college football at Northern Illinois University before I joined the Army. And, uh, you know, taking, you know, my whole life since I was five playing sports, you know, sports for me was, you know, togetherness, bonding, teamwork, hard work, dedication. You know, to be good at a sport, you have to have all of those kind of qualities in order to want to, you know, go to the next level. And I was a two-sport athlete, you know, so to speak. Baseball and, and football had scholarships to both uh, in college. Chose football, which was probably one of the dumbest decisions I ever made in life because I was pretty good at baseball. And uh, one of the high school players that was at a rival high school of mine um, uh, went on to play Major League Baseball and won a World Series. Um, so, so if we're talking about knucklehead moments... Uh, when I was 18 and choosing to <laughs> between football and baseball, uh, that was probably one of the first knucklehead moments I ever had in life was uh, thinking that I, as a six foot, 205 pound linebacker, was going to make it to the NFL one day and chose to go college football and, you know, bigger, faster, stronger. You know, once you get to the next level, uh, my freshman year at Northern Illinois, I'll never forget one of the offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen for our football team. His name was uh, Ryan Diem. 
and uh, he went on to play professional football for the Colts and was the you know starting right tackle for Peyton Manning on the Indianapolis Colts. So here I am, 18, fresh out of high school, going up against this dude that ended up playing for the Indianapolis Colts my freshman year of college football. And uh, trust me, it's it's a it's, it's, it's a little bit of a size discrepancy. There, well, not only a size discrepancy, but just talent. You know, like uh, you know, you get to that level and you're like, wow, like do I belong here? You know, like, and then you know, I see my buddy who's playing baseball, you know, doing well, and like, man, I probably should have chose baseball. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to Knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process, and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I do do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory, and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So... You can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions, LLC, and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins, and contact us today. See ya. Isn't it funny you know, how that works? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it brings you it brings you full circle knowing that. You, I mean, first of all, you're rooting for your buddy, right? For you're sure. Like, hey, yeah. man, he won yeah. a World Series. That's that's yep. my buddy. I played with him. But at the same time, you're almost like, I wish I would have done something a little bit different. Yeah. However, but you were able to to, to apply that love for sports. Yeah. To kind so, of what your next career venture was. Yeah. So my, my dad's retired Army, you know, okay. so I grew up military. Did and you know you were going to join the military or not? I didn't. No, I had no clue. I thought I was going to be an athlete. You know, I was always an athlete, you know, got Offers to go play college football, like, you know, I'm I'm going to be the next, you know, NFL guy, you know, that's, you know, or, you know, Major League Baseball player. You know, and that was my whole track. And then I got to college, you know, first time out of my parents' sight, you yeah. know, and I had fun, you know, like I, I didn't have to, <laughs> I didn't have to check in with anybody. I had to show up for practice, go to film, lift weights, play football, and live the college football player experience. Yeah. And, uh, I wasn't disciplined as a person at 18, 19 to go to school. I was basically playing sports. So you went from, and I got to, the reason why I want to hover over this is following that thought process to parents that are out there, following that thought process of, I'm only going to plan for 18 years old, meaning I'm going to plan to get that scholarship, right? And that scholarship is essentially your ticket to whatever professional sport you happen to want to go to. Yeah. for the majority, and when I say the majority, I want to say over 90 to 95%, I think the statistics are, of people who have that as a plan, it ends up going completely awry. For sure. You, you never follow that all the way through to professional ranks where you right. can earn the income associated with that with that career path. Yeah. So now, all of a sudden, what you have is you have a crisis. You have a crisis, an identity crisis, a decision-making crisis, yeah. uh, all of those things. And so you, you your, your kind of default path that you didn't know was there, something that was familiar, was the military. 
And then sure. now all of a sudden you get trained up in a completely different skill set. And that, I'm sure that went perfectly too, didn't it? No, 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 not exactly. So, you know, I had to make a decision because, you know, I didn't have a, a long-term plan. Yeah. And, you know, basically I moved back home with my parents who had since moved to Houston, Texas. So I was in DeKalb, Illinois. My parents were in Houston, Texas. And uh, so I went home to, <laughs> to Houston, Texas. And I was like, well, I went from this rock star college football life to back home with mom and dad underneath, you know, a microscope and where are you going? Where are you going to be? When are you coming back? Who are you with? Like, man, I haven't had this in a long time. So this, is, this isn't for me. Uh, so I basically, you know, I was either go to school or join the military. And, uh, you know, I knew when I was at Northern Illinois, I was in the pre-physical therapy program. So I knew as a young adult that I wanted to do something medical. So, you know, I went to the recruiter. They're like, yeah, we can get you this combat medic job, you know? And I was like, that's cool. Sounds like medical. Like, all right, yeah. And then they're like, yeah, there's a follow-on program uh, you can apply for for physical therapy. You know, I was like, cool. Like, sign me up. So I joined the military and uh, never had planned to. And this was uh, this was in 1999, so pre-9-11. So, like, you know, I wasn't... Uh, you know, the post 9-11 veteran that, you know, just ran to the recruiter and said, hey, I want to go fight ISIS, you know, or, you know, that ideology, you know, I was already in on September 11th. So, you know, I was joining for college money and a future and a career, you know, sure. and yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I, you know, I went and uh, I, I joined as a combat medic in the Army and, uh, you Where know, were you stationed? Uh, my first, <laughs> after I graduated medical school, my first duty station was uh, Fort Polk, Louisiana. So I don't know if you've ever been to Fort Polk, Louisiana. So it's, it's a beautiful part of the country. It is a beautiful uh, part of the country. Yeah. Those, so those folks that are out there in Bossier City that are listening, we, we love you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Leesville, yep. DeRitter. Yeah, I've I've spent two and a half years uh, right there in at Fort Polk. But uh, yeah, my my drill sergeant when I got my orders when I was graduating medical school said. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. so, so, yeah, I mean, my first duty station was Fort Polk. Uh, then I PCS to Fort Carson, Colorado. And uh, my third and last duty station was uh, here at Brook Army Medical Center at, at Fort Sam Houston. So, let's talk about so, whenever you got hit with the circumstance, so you go into a, uh, you go into a, like a life choice. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about life choices here for a second. So, you go into a life choice and you're, you're faced with, this critical thinking component, you get decision-making component, you feel the pressure of making the right choice, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're talking about it, 18 years old, going and picking a school, uh, going and playing a sport because that was the career path you chose. Sure. That door shuts. Yep. You join Slammed. the military. <laughs> join the military because you want to have some options and some choices and you mm-hmm. felt like you need some, some help. And the military does that. They yep. provide a framework for you to have a quasi-successful life, right? They provide the framework. For sure. However, you're kind of chewed up and spit out at the tail end of it, right? You, when I say not you, I'm talking about folks who join the military and then get out. Sometimes what ends up happening is it's a very clearly laid path for you to get to where you want to go. Right. For you, what I heard was you got exposed to kind of a, a generation-changing event on September 11th. For sure. Uh, 2001. Yep. And then on top of that, you were already almost like, okay, I think this is the career path I want to go. Now with this event, this, it's like the perfect sequence of events that forced you to make a, a difficult decision. And that yep. difficult decision is what in the world are you going to stay in? Yep. Are you going to get out? What are you, what are you going to do? So yep. how did you make that decision? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I ended up doing eight years and got out. But uh, the decision making for me was, is, uh, you know, fortunately, and I, I say this all the time, 
the military set me up for success by choosing a career path that I could use in the civilian world. So being a combat medic, going to the physical therapy program, completing all of those courses allowed me to get out, make a good living, and still work with the military because I, I stayed on and worked as a civilian at BAMC and the CFI. So, you know, I just transitioned right into a civilian type job and it, it, it worked for me, you know, like I used the military to set myself up for future success where I think a lot of times people join just to join and don't really think about the job that they're signing up for and how that's going to impact them once they transition. I've heard it described as beginning with the end in mind in that way. Right. So what, yeah. What yeah. we call that a knucklehead is we just call that get some wits because you may not yeah. have a clear pathway forward. You know how you want to end up. Right. But that it doesn't mean that you can predict what steps one through four right. are going to be. Yeah. Well, and you know, even when I was in, you know, at Northern Illinois, you know, like I was pre-physical therapy, so I knew what I wanted to do. It's just, you know, I, yeah, I made some knucklehead decisions along the way that yeah. led me to join the army and see the world and. September 11th, and then, you know, here I am uh, on a deployment, and then back, and then going to physical therapy school, and then really what transpired for me to set myself up to do hero sports was, is once I could see the back end of war, and how that affected the guys physically, emotionally. When you say back end of war, but let's be descriptive here for a second, because people are going to be listening to this. Yeah, for sure. When you say the back end of war, you're talking about... All right. It sounds good whenever you're on television to talk about how this country did something. However, right. what that truly means is people's lives are about ready to be changed because there's yeah. people who are there who are going to fight. And sure. there's people who are going to be sent there to do that fighting. So yeah, that. I, I think I think when you're in a deployed environment, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot of times just amongst the guys in, in hero sports is, is, you know, really, once you're deployed, you're with your guys. Yeah. You're, you know, you're a team, you eat together, you live together, you patrol together, you do everything together, and basically it's, you know, don't die. You know, that's that's basically your world in a nutshell for 12 to 16 months or however, however long you're deployed. Doing that, you don't think about what if I get blown up or what if I get shot or what if I get, and, and the guys that you lose or have injured while you're there, you don't know what it's like once they do get injured, what it's like for them once once they're back in the rear getting the medical care that they need. So seeing that didn't really resonate with me to want to give back, so to speak. You know, it's like I served, I did my time, did my job, came home, fortunately not injured, wasn't wounded, but I was still trying to career path myself to set myself up for success for things that I wanted to do, which was go to physical therapy school. So, which I did. And then once I came back and saw the side of war that I didn't ever see, you know, was the guys who were wounded, were injured, ill, rehabbing day after day. Guys and gals, right? Yeah, guys and gals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just as many female patients. Well, I wouldn't say just as many, but there's a large population of female patients as well uh, that we had. There's a bunch of periods of times of silence between the the treatment, first of all, the administration of facilitating that treatment. For sure. And you get to see when you say the back end of it, that's what you. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, 
seeing somebody seven to 10 days blast injury laying in a hospital bed who 10 days ago was on a battlefield, what I consider like an elite athlete, kicking indoors, you know, climbing buildings, you know, shooting and moving, you know, like all of that to 10 days later, they're laying in a bed and they can't even get out. Seeing that started to affect me in a fashion over the years, you know, because I worked there for nine years. I wanted to do something for that. It really wasn't until, you know, because I, I volunteered a lot with other organizations when I worked at the hospital, but uh, it wasn't until I had guys that I had treated for so many years start reaching back out and being like, hey, man, I'm, I'm struggling. You know, I transitioned. There's nothing out here like what we did in therapy where we did some sport activities or some leisure activities or, you know, there's nothing out here in the civilian world for that. And can you can you talk about a time that that happened? Yeah. Somebody tried to play a sport and you got to laugh a little bit because, I mean, it didn't go the way you wanted it to or they screwed up or maybe they hurt themselves. Yeah, man, <laughs> absolutely. So we, every, every Friday we used to do what we called wheelchair soccer. Okay. So uh, we had 10 wheelchairs. You, you know, you split up five or six guys on a team and uh, we had PVC pipe soccer goals, you know, the small ones. And uh, we had a dodgeball and guys would basically ram each other, you know, throw the ball in the goal and, you know, we played till it's like 10, you know, but man, I'm telling you, man, it was like slobber knocker, wheelchair, roller derby, snock them, snock them, rock them, just smashing each other with, with a wheelchair. Uh, yeah, man, there was a couple of times that, you know, we had a double above the knee amputee, got hit real hard and fell out of the wheelchair onto the basketball court. Yeah, man, I mean, everybody laughed. You know, it's like, it's funny. You know, most people would see that and be like, oh, man, like, let's go help him out. Like, no, man, get up, get in your chair, man. We're, let's let's roll, you know. So, awesome. you know, you better not leave your hand down there. Or I'll roll over it, you yeah, know. Exactly. So, you know, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that's that's the kind of experiences that we as staff members and wounded service members had. You know, we bonded through their rehab process, you know, and it wasn't just physical, you know, it's mental, you know, I mean, it's emotional, it's, you know, all the things that go into that, because not only do you have the service member, you have their family, you know, and, you know, you have their wife, you have their kids who are now trying to experience life with husband, dad, in this new state, that it's totally new. Kids don't understand why dad can't get up and go play ball with them and you know wives having to deal and husbands having to deal with is this like still the same person i I like how you're talking about the relationships that happen after the fact right because uh in today's in today's society i mean with in the news cycle uh and even in sports for that matter things are things are flighty it becomes very transactional real quick for sure and uh, and when you talk about sewing back into your community or sewing back into your state or sewing back into kind of your the ecosystem of folks that transition away, what you've done is you've you've found, given your past experiences, mm-hmm. a way forward for a lot of folks. For sure, yeah. No, I mean, it's... talk about some. Of, I mean, talk about some of the people who've been able to been helped through this process. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the guy who just called me on the phone, his name's Rudy Gu- uh, Guzman, USMC. He was wounded, ankle injury from a blast injury, and uh, they ended up having to do uh, a gastroc flap. So. Your gastrocnemius muscle on the back of your calf flapped over on his ankle to cover his his wounds. That was in 2005, you know, and here we are 2019. And, uh, you know, 14 years later, like I've grown up with his kids, you know, and I've known his wife. And, you know, now he's going shark fishing this weekend with our organization. 
you know, and just being able to have the longevity of those relationships and, and still be able to, you know, like I'm not treating him as a patient anymore, 100%. but I'm still helping him through life with outlets and activities and, and touching, you know, his life uh, through our organization continuously. What you just wrapped with, let's put a bow on this yeah. with that. There's a difference that I've seen with, and, and not just me, this is not unique to me. Whenever you first joined the military, yes, you began with the end in mind. You also knew, given your dad's perspective, that you were going to serve. For sure. Right. So in today's culture, let's talk a little bit about entitlement versus service. And yeah. people milking a storyline, so to speak, as opposed to carving out their own niche in the individual responsibility component. I'm, I'm curious, given your perspective and what you've seen from people who've been uh, affected physically by war and what right. that does to them uh, mentally, mm -hmm. what, what's, your, what's your opinion of what you've observed between entitlement versus service? Yeah, so I think even still now, we don't do the, the narrative of who's deserving of the activities at Hero Sports. You know, like I feel like if you served your country you know, whether you're on active duty, a National Guard reservist, or an honorably discharged veteran, that's who we serve, that you're all deserving of the things that we provide. Like, just raising your hand and serving, I want to be able to provide things for you because there's so many of the people in this country that don't. You know, so then you take all those people who we feel are deserving, everyone who's currently serving, and everyone who's honorably served, and then you have to start finding those people who... For me, it's like being, it's back being a medic again. I'm doing triage. I'm figuring out who needs something immediately, you know, because they're hurting, and who needs something to help prolong their emotional state all the time. But entitlement, man, like, I, I don't really, you know, we, I guess you see it some, you know, people that feel entitled just because, like, I'm a veteran. I, I, should, I should be able to go on this because I'm entitled to it. Well, yeah, you, you probably are, and you probably deserve to go. But do you need it? You know, and that's that's where we try to be that buffer, I guess, to that. You know, are you hurting right now? Like, if you're hurting, like, let's figure it out. If not, then we'll pass it on to somebody who is hurting right now and needs it. If we have something that comes along and you want to go, like, let's let's try to figure it out. You know, so that's kind of how it goes for us. We, we kind of squash it early, you know, at Hero Sports. They don't want to really be treated differently anyway. When I was treating guys at the hospital, like. No, man, like you're, you're like, you PCS to my unit now. And one of the things was, is when I was at the CFI, I was one of the few guys that had been a service member, one, because there was a lot of civilians that worked there. Uh, but two, then one of the few, I think I was maybe one or two of the only ones that had ever been deployed. So, got, you know, I just resonated with people because of that life experience, too. You know, it wasn't just another civilian that, you know, uh, that was there helping or treating or, you know, a doctor, nurse or therapist, you know, so it just made a difference for sure. Cause you know, just like we all banter here together, yeah. you know, uh, you know, same deal, you know, it's like, you're just, you're in my unit now and you know, this is how we do things here and we're going to have fun. That in itself recognizes that that's a way to heal for sure. Hey man, yeah. now you're on my turn. Now yeah. you're on my turn. Yeah. This yeah. is how we roll here. Yeah, and, 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 you know, so many guys, you know, were coming from units that weren't based in San Antonio here for, for healthcare. But, you know, once they got here, man, like, you know, I was kind of like their liaison to, hey, man, what do, what do I do to go have fun? Or, you know, like, what do, you know, what do people here that are, you know, been rehabbing for, you know, a couple of years do? And, you know, there's that sense of I'm going to take care of you, not just as a healthcare provider, 
but I'm gonna help you out here when you're not here for medical treatment too. So, you know, I was able to establish that pretty early at the hospital. That's cool. Those of you who are listening to this that uh, can essentially relate to the cause or can understand a little bit more about how sports can help you through just that physical process. I mean, how can people help you? I mean, what does Hero Sports need? So, you know, obviously the hardest part of doing a nonprofit is is fundraising. You know, we started three years ago, you know, me self-paying for everything and uh, slowly building our support network. But regular donors, event-based fundraising, product-based, you know, support, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just every dollar really that we can help generate just goes back into helping somebody else. So, you know, that, that's definitely been the most challenging part of coming from working for somebody else into the nonprofit world where no one's getting paid. You know, there's not a big mega pot of money to just hire a bunch of staff members to go out and do the good deeds. You spend a lot of your time fundraising to go do good deeds and all that good deed work has to come back to fundraising so you can do more good deeds. And it's just, it's been very challenging from that standpoint. And and I had no clue going into it. You know, I just knew that Mike Barker couldn't keep growing and funding activities at the rate I was growing before it was ever a nonprofit. So I didn't really see it as a for-profit business. You know, like I'm helping guys that I know. I don't know how to make that into a for-profit business, you know, uh, but, you know, I can do it as a nonprofit and then try to figure out those strategies. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of veteran nonprofits out there. And that's one of the, the hardest parts is, is, you know, who do you support? You know, who's really helping people? Who, who do you see out there, you know, doing some of the good work that they say that they're doing? So we try to show that through, you know, events, activities, sports, hunting and fishing trips, social recreational activities. Social media, yeah, for sure. Wait, wait, how can people go to your social media channels and find you? Like, what, what is it? Yeah, so uh, at Facebook, it's uh, Hero Sports USA. Instagram and Twitter is Heroes underscore sports. Uh, we have a website, heroesports.org. So, uh, and they're going to talk to a bot, right? If they go to those channels, they, they go automatically talk to some type of robot, right? No, man, no, no, I run it all, you know? So uh, if you message Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or go to our website, I get all of the communication. So you're, you're talking straight to the guy who started it. So so in the economic climate that, uh, that San Antonio is in, right? Yep. So there's people who are going to be sympathetic towards your cause, right? And they yep. also want to be empathetic to you as an individual and those people who you go out and help. For sure. So you found some people who have been able to kind of hitch their wagon up to you. Give an example of some of the sponsors or some, some organizations that want to help you and want to go and help those people that you help. Yeah, so, you know, obviously we've linked up with like the San Antonio FC, which is the local soccer team here, San Antonio Spurs, the San Antonio Missions, which is the local minor league baseball team here, Uh, you know, countless other, you know, Silver Eagles, the largest beer distributor here in San Antonio. They're a big supporter of what we do. We got, you know, Grunt Style, Warfighter Tobacco, you know, that are all moved here now to San Antonio. And you know, just countless other just business owners and, and people who see what we do and want to try to figure out how to support it, you know, because we're, I mean, we do probably 20 plus events a month here just in San Antonio, and we've expanded to doing other things in different states. You know, we've done 14 different states now. We've done events in, supported veteran causes there through sports, and Growing, growing fast. A few hundred events a year uh, spread out over the last few years. That's uh, 
that's quite the undertaking there, man. So I appreciate you, yeah. uh, one, for what you do, but then also for the lives that you've been able to affect. I got a chance to talk to a couple of people uh, down in Austin. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, getting a chance to hang out uh, a little bit here today, too. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking this time. Yeah, man. The only way that we really have to spread the good word is through outlets like this, you know. So, I, you know, I appreciate you coming to help us share that, that message, you know, because... You never know who may be listening that wants to get involved and help out, you know. So the more that we can do that, the more people we can help. And since I was 19 uh, as a medic in the Army, my job has been to save lives, you know. that I was a, a lifesaver, you know. That was what I was trained to do by, by the Army and have been trying to do ever since then. So, And now it's just different because, you know, we're doing it through a nonprofit organization that's able to reach thousands, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, hopefully. So outlets like this to, to be able to share our story is, is important for us too. hundred percent. What also writes, it gives you the ability to, to tell that story for sure. because it's yeah. more than just a, another veteran nonprofit. For sure. There's 44,000 of those are veteran transition organizations that are nonprofit related For sure. every single year. It's difficult to audit all of them, especially when you want to throw some money. For sure. So. Yeah. Well, and the best part about what we do too is you can come come be a part of it, you know, like you can come watch these guys play sports or you can tune in sometimes like when we Facebook live an event, you know, where they're playing sports or, you know, doing some of our social media stuff. And you can see where your money's going and see what it, who it's touching, because, you know, there's always pictures and videos and, you know, of the activities that we're providing, you know. So it's like, man, you can see the smile on somebody's face or, you know, see them out there, you know, pushing beyond their limits or, you know, so. You know, our tagline is going beyond the game. We use the sports as the outreach model and, and the tool to bring people into the organization. And then beyond that, we go to help them through life, whatever that life brings them. You know, so the struggles, you know, divorce, counseling, financial needs, you know, those kinds of things are things that we're able to point them in the right direction to get before they have a catastrophic event like a suicide because we're able to use our resources to help them a lot faster. Yeah. So, Well, I appreciate that for yeah. sure. There's a lot of preemptive things that you can do that you can recognize that you see that sure. um, help you with actually facilitating that change, not just here in San Antonio, but other places that you're at. So for sure. Anyway, we appreciate you, man. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with? Yeah. Just thank you, everybody who's listening. Go check us out on uh, social media and, and our, check out our website. And if, if you feel the need to, to support, you know, reach out to us. You know, we'd, we'd love to figure out what that looks like and how we can work mutually together to keep changing lives of our veterans and service members. So, Well, this message is going to go out on all our channels as well. But one of our primary distribution methods is through LinkedIn. Yep. Right? So LinkedIn, there's going to be some business owners who are going to, are going to listen to this. So sure. he told you exactly how to get in touch with him. You have an email that you want to share with anybody? Yeah, it's uh, mbarker at heroesports.org. So there you go. And if you know how to spell heroes correctly, H-E-R-O-E-S, uh, it's pretty easy. He spelled it for all you Marines out there. <laughs> there you go. Myself included. Uh, they actually put away all the crayons, too, before I got in the office. There so you go. That's nice. To. That was nice of them. Yep. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, then. Well, Mike, we appreciate you. Everybody else here at Hero Sports, we appreciate you, man. Thank for you sure. for taking the time. Those of you who like listening to Knucklehead, uh, we come out with a new episode every Tuesday. So MMA fighters, nonprofit organizations, uh, those yep, those guys, for-profit businesses, the revenue producers, guys and gals who are, aren't scared to 
share the things that they've screwed up, all the things that they've had to overcome on the way to achieving success and actually affecting change. That's the story that you have here in Knucklehead. This is not we did it right the first time. This is not we've ever never made a mistake. This is every time you've screwed up, it's led to a breakthrough. That's what Knucklehead is all about. So we appreciate you having the courage to share the stories, some of the things that you screwed up and get your message out there. So sure. All right, man. Don't be a beta about the process. Remember, it takes an alpha to be able to go out there and make some changes. So go out and get some wins. See ya.